What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 41 of Around the League, Championship Edition. The Milwaukee Bucks have taken down the Phoenix Suns in six games, and Tuan and I just give our in-game reactions, our reactions to the series, and of course, we talk about Giannis and his historic performance really throughout that entire series. So um, as always, we appreciate you for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode, and we'll be in touch. Take care. Welcome to episode 41 of Around the League Championship Edition. As we all know, a king has been crowned. Man, what a ride for the Milwaukee Bucks. Before we dig in, we got to give it up for the Bucks organization winning their first championship since 1971. And as always, checking with our boy, Tuan. What's going on, my man? Hey, man. Not much. It's, uh, it's Friday morning. About to head up to Edwards County, but, you know, before... Before I get up there, you know, wanted to spend some time with you to talk hoops. You know, the the last game was kind of crazy. We've had a few days to digest and kind of mull it over, but you know, really excited to kind of end the end the season on a high note. Man, what a series! Game six, Milwaukee seals the deal, wins four in a row. They've already done their parade. Does that seem a little quicker than usual? I'm not sure. It because by now, like. Two days after they they announced or they win the championship, they're already on. They've already done the parade. The only thing quicker um, is their bus <laughs> uh, compared <laughs> to the Raptors one that took, I would say, six seven hours. This one was flying by in Milwaukee, so I'm glad that the fans didn't have to wait. Yeah, the six seven hours in the grueling sun, waiting for. For nothing so that that's the only thing that's quicker uh, compared to the regular uh championship parades there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack here we're going to talk about the game but i just want a little side note here like this is the first north american sporting event where i didn't feel covid vibes at all like watching that game six there were sixty three thousand fans outside without a mask you know jurassic park's still more lit but they had a good thing going on out there. They had like a rock concert. Adam Silver is, you know, and Malika Andrews, no mask, you know, announcing the presentations, the MVPs and all that, like kind of just felt like COVID wasn't even a thing. Yeah, that, that, that was a pretty crazy scene when you think about how many people are out there. That was basically like Jurassic Park times, times two, times three. Uh, but, I, you know, obviously everyone's been, you know, in their in their rooms in their in their homes for so long that I'm sure everyone in Milwaukee just wanted to get out and that's a great way to celebrate great way to get out and just you know get out of the COVID era basically so I'm, I'm hoping that's the transition out from everything and you know it's finally we're all finally out of the that thing but yeah man uh it was it was a pretty crazy scene and I'm glad they were able to celebrate it at home which the Raptors weren't able to do that's the one thing I was always regret about like the how, how everything played out that we were so close to celebrating it at home and that that never happened I know game six don't get me wrong was was it was a storybook ending I would like I would take it over anything but you know game five there was something special about the vibes in game five because Toronto was just ready to erupt the Larry O'Brien was sort of tucked in the back ready to go and we didn't get it done but hey no Raptor talk this is about the Bucks. Uh, but it is crazy how far we've come. You know, when we started the season, we weren't sure if the season was going to finish. 
you know, there was COVID protocols, there was teams going down, players going down, coaches going down. And to see how far we've come since the beginning of the season with technology and vaccinations. And now you got the commissioner of the NBA, not even wearing a mask and, you know, presenting the finals MVP. Like it's, it's an awesome thing to see. And it, it keeps me uh, pretty optimistic about the future. This championship is, was really just the last man standing, you know, like I wouldn't say the Milwaukee Bucks were, were the best team uh, in the NBA this season, but they were the team that, you know, were least affected by COVID, least affected by injuries. Um, you know, we saw a wrath of uh, star players get hurt, not only in the regular season, but especially in the playoffs. So, you know, still very well-deserved. Um, you know, every champion has to go through, you know, the, these different roads and, you know, some get lucky breaks and some just play well at the right time. You know, if KD doesn't step on that line, you know, the, the Nets might be champions by this time. So it's all all the small little inches that, that matter up. And, um, you know, the Bucks were the team that were able to survive a crazy, not only bubble from last year, because it seems like it's been an extended season, you know, with the bubble and then only what, three months of, of a break. And then they had to start the season, you know, early, uh, early January and now ending um, in July, late July. Yeah, I mean, let's talk big picture bucks before we start digging into this particular game six. Then we'll go into like legacies and, you know, Giannis and the path for Phoenix going forward. You know, they were Kevin Durant's toe away from their head coach being fired and the, uh, the Giannis Middleton connection being questioned. Um, you had a series where Giannis, most the entire playoffs, Giannis was struggling mightily from the free throw line. And, you know, his dynamics as a player were being questioned. He injures his knee. They go down 2-0 against the Suns. Chris Paul looks like the point god, like there's nothing that is going to be able to stop him. Listen to the Windhorse and Zach Lowe podcast after game two. It's literally 40 minutes of them praising Chris Paul and essentially sort of insinu insinuating that th this is over. And look, here we are. Milwaukee wins four in a row. They take game six, and now they're NBA champions. It's, it's pretty incredible to, to watch what they were able to do, especially being down 2-0. And that was kind of the, the one thing, you know, the, the series with the Raptors. And I, again, I don't want to bring up the Raptors, but the, the series in the Eastern Conference Finals in 2019 when they were up 2-0 and they, they blew that and won or they lost four in a row to the Raptors. So this is a nice, a nice little redemption story for them, especially in the finals, um, being able to not only win at home, but win you know, two, three weeks right after that gruesome injury that Giannis um, uh, endured. And, you know, that's not normal, man. That's not normal to have your knee bend that way. You know, with, with any other regular NBA athlete, he's out for like the year. But this guy was able to get back on the court within two weeks, within a few days. Um, and he probably had one of the best playoff series, um, one of the best playoff runs by any player and in history. So um, super impressive. And uh, Chris Middleton definitely showed up. If it, if it wasn't for Giannis playing out of his mind, Chris Middleton may have gotten some MVP votes um, as well, just with how well he played, um, how clutch he was um, through, through a lot of the games. 
and no doubt in my mind anymore that Chris Middleton is a 1B type player um, in the league and he will he will be a very, very good player uh, for the rest of his career. And man, you, you just you just see that he just has that, you know, that that winning mentality and he's been able to hit such clutch buckets for this team throughout the playoffs and um, yeah, especially late in this game as well. Yeah, I mean, true signs of a closer. He didn't play very well in game six. He was six for 13. He was he was struggling. But the last two or three possessions of that fourth quarter, when the game was still within reach for Phoenix, Middleton hit the biggest shots of the game. But um, I guess this is a good segue to talk about the game. Giannis made history, man, 50, 10, and five blocks. And just from personally speaking, you know, it was probably one of the best sports performances that I've seen in my lifetime. Um, you know, I never got to watch MJ in 98, you know, but I did get to see Kobe in 2010. I did get to see Kawhi in 2019. You know, I've seen Djokovic. And when you see the best player rise to the occasion in the biggest game of their lives, like it's, it was incredible to watch. It was it was it was a pleasure to watch. It was it was so nice for him to be able to exercise those demons from the line, shooting seventeen for nineteen. Uh, I read a little uh, uh, social media post where there was a bar in Milwaukee that was giving away free shots for every free throw that Giannis made, and I don't think they were expecting to give out seventeen free shots to every single. Uh, participant or attendee at the bar so I'm not sure how they're doing financially after that but um, yeah man I, I'm, I'm so glad for him he's, he's such a you know such a likable character such a likable player and you know he's 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 a guy that signed that huge extension with the Bucks before he had to you know he was supposed to be a free agent uh, at the end of the season there are a lot of rumors about you know him possibly joining the Raptors you know the, the Heat and he kind of just uh, extinguished a lot of those rumors and uh, allowed the team to focus on his play and not have to, you know, answer questions throughout the season, be a distraction to him and his team. And, you know, that was the right move. That, that was, that was the right move on him. And I'm just, man, it's just so happy to watch him like celebrate and be able to, you know, just, just be a champion because he deserves it. And I've never seen, that was probably the most dominant game I've ever seen in the finals. Even I can't even like I don't I couldn't I can't think of anything right now. But even just as an NBA game, he was just so dominant. He had everything going. He had his you know he pumped back from the three and drove. He had you know fadeaway baseline jumpers. He had you know post moves, um, and he really grinded out Ain Ain and whoever else they put on him. Uh, Crowder uh, was too small. Ain was the, I feel the lights were a little too bright for him, or he was just kind of like, yeah, worn down just from how, how much um, impact he, he took from Giannis throughout the playoffs, uh, throughout the series. Um, and man, it was, it was, it was, it was very nice to watch him be able to just knock down those free throws um, in the clutch and being able to shoot 70 for 19, man. Wow. That's uh, you can't really say shit about his free throws shooting anymore. Um, no, well, you, you can, he's, he's an awful free throw shooter. There's no doubt about it. He, he didn't all of a sudden learn how to shoot free throws before game six, but what happened was he's a superstar and he's a special player 
and he understood the moment and he didn't let anything else distract him. His focus level was on a hundred percent. And he said, fuck it. Like he was so dialed in. He's still not a good free throw shooter, but the fact that he was able to, I knew it was over in the fourth quarter when he hit a, a turnaround fadeaway around the cylinder. He had a turnaround fadeaway and then he hit like a push floater and his free throws just were not missing. And it, it was just him. It was, it was sheer will. And I think that's what we witnessed. And that's what the greatest players in their respective sports do on the biggest stage, or that's what we hope they do. Yeah. So with the bucks, they only had five guys score bucket. So PJ, PJ Tucker didn't score Jeff T Pat Connaughton had zero points. Um, Drew Holiday probably had an abysmal, another abysmal shooting performance, but he, he still brings it on the defensive end. Though it was basically Giannis and a little bit of Middleton near the end, but it was this is all Giannis. This is all Giannis, you know, af, after the first quarter when they were up, I believe, 13. Um, in the second quarter, they only scored 13 points, so they were down at half, and um, they were able to tie it up going to the, or going to the fourth. And then he just took over. He, but he was the reason they, they were in this game. Like the oh Suns weren't God. playing terribly. Like they, both teams were very, very nervous at the beginning. It was like, I believe both teams had like two points within like the, the first four minutes of the game. But, but then things got rolling again. But it was, um, it was him keeping the team afloat and then him taking the team over the top uh, near the end. Again, it, it was a tied game going into the fourth. That was still up for grabs. Um, it was just the Bucks had a really good game plan. It was just let CP3 uh, have all the mid-range shots that he wanted. So when when you're watching as a casual fan and you're seeing all these wide open shots by CP3 at the you know basically at the three or at the free throw line extended, you're like, why are they letting him shoot like that? That's his bread and butter. But that just kind of can't or he not doesn't cancel out, but it it freezes out a lot of the other players. You know, Aiden wasn't able to get anything going. It probably his worst game um, in, in the playoffs. Uh, Booker was struggling from the field. And I, I was hoping that, you know, Bridges or, you know, Cam Johnson would, you know, step up. But they, they, they didn't get anything going either. So it was a lot of Chris Paul taking a lot of mid-range shots. Sure, he made 11 for 19, but no one else got involved. No one else was able to, you know, get hot. Um, and Booker, again, Booker um, did not shoot very well. He didn't, he didn't make any threes. I believe he was 0 for 7. So he didn't get anything going. Um, so for, for them, the, the Bucks just allowed them to, you know, shoot shoot the mid-range. No corner threes. No corner threes. No, no easy looks at the threes. And just gave, gave them all the mid-range. And, you know, eventually it just kind of pulled everyone down. And CP wasn't able to really capitalize any more than he could. He played really well, honestly. He 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 struggled game game four and five, but he played in he played well game six. Yeah, I mean, I guess what we witnessed was history, right? And I I don't think I don't think Milwaukee really executed their game plan either, um, other than Giannis literally taking them to the top of the mountain again with sheer will, 50, 10, and five. Um, I don't think Bud had that planned. I don't think Bud anticipated Giannis being 17 from 19 from the free throw line, but they had the most, they had the best player on the floor on the biggest stage and he performed. Um, he performed in a historic way. Holiday though, the unsung hero, I would say, because, you know, Devin Booker needs to be on the floor for Philly or for Phoenix at all times. Uh, they really can't 
they really can't play basketball without him. He played 46 minutes and Drew Holiday guarded him the entire game. You know, so imagine how tired that guy must have been. And I think that was why he couldn't get anything going. Two things that I saw from Phoenix was Chris Paul and Devin Booker playing hot potato before crossing half court several times in the game. It got to the point in the third and fourth quarter that both were exhausted and neither wanted the ball. And when you got, when you got Jay Crowder taking the biggest shots in the game, you know, you have a problem. You know, Jay Crowder was the only one on that team. And Dayan and I were talking about this. (laughs) Jay, Jay Crowder was the only player that had been in that situation before and had sort of, you know, he, he felt comfortable enough to take it to the hole. He felt comfortable enough to get to the free throw line. He probably shot like four or five threes in the fourth quarter that were wide open that he probably could have hit, but Jay Crowder can't be taking those shots for Phoenix late in the game. No, I I believe Jay Crowder was the only player uh, out of both rosters to, to have made a finals appearance before. So um, he, he had a lot of wide open shots and I, you know, the Bucs are willing to live with him making or missing those shots. And um, I believe he he was like two for nine or two for 10 from the three. But everything was good looks. Uh, but again, like you said, you, you can't have a game six and allow Jay Crowder to have that many shots, that many opportunities, because most likely he's not going to be able to shoot above his average, you know. Uh, so they, they, they played with it and they, they lost with, you know, Jay Crowder shooting that many shots. So, um, yeah, man, the, the, the Bucs played well. They, they had a great game plan and, you know, I'll give it to Bud. He, he really, he, he really shook like, again, this, this game is all about inches. He could have, he could have been out of, he could have been out of a, a job two or three weeks ago, you know, and the, the Bucks could have been in shambles. You know, there could have been a lot of talks about like, is Drew Holiday the right fit? Did they give up too much? You know, if they, if they had panicked, you know, they would have they may, may have traded one of those three guys. And, you know, this whole team would have looked totally different. But, you know, they have now that they've won, they have that stability. They know that, you know, they, they can win it. They, they know what Giannis is capable of. They know what Middleton is capable of. Same with Holiday. Um, and they're going to run it back the next two, three years. And it's just another strong, strong team that's going to be a contender in the East. And it's going to be another really tough season for for teams in both conferences, uh, especially with, you know, the likes of the 76ers, the Nets, um, and now the Suns. Again, they're going to be a strong, strong team. They're going to be building on something like this. And it depends on if they're able to re-sign CP3 or if he goes to somewhere like the Knicks. So he's going to be a very attractable or attractive uh, player in, in the free agent market. And uh, we'll see where he goes. But Suns, you know, if they're able to keep CP3, keep this core intact and just get one more playmaker, one more guy that um, that, that they can rely on to make shots. Um, I, I think that's what they need. They need one more of those, you know, long three and D guys because Bridges and Johnson just weren't able to, to be consistent enough um, in, in that role. Yeah, I mean... I think it was last podcast, we talked about windows and we were talking about Philly specifically and, you know, how, you know, every team gets windows and it's really up to you to take advantage of that window. And we talked about 2019 when they had Jimmy Butler, you know, I I personally thought that was the best window that they had. Um, Just, yeah, shout out to Milwaukee for taking advantage of this window. 
you know, without Brooklyn, with Brooklyn so injured, this was really the opening that they had to take advantage. Unfortunately, Philly couldn't take advantage of it. But with Brooklyn coming back, what we're going to assume will be 100%. Um, who knows what the future looks like for Milwaukee, right? Um, Brooklyn, prior to the playoffs even starting, was kind of on everyone's, on the top of everyone's list. Um, for Phoenix, they took advantage of their window as well. With the Clippers going down, with the Lakers going down, with the Nuggets going down, um, they sort of just held on to that second seed and ran with it, and they didn't let anything get in their way. So you got it. They get a lot of credit. Both teams, I think, should get a lot of credit for taking advantage of their playoff windows. For sure, even with the Suns in second and third round when they played, you know, a depleted Nuggets team, a depleted uh, Clippers team, they were they they still beat the Lakers. You know, even with AD hurt a little bit um, near the tail end of that series, they were able to be the team that was led by LeBron James, regardless of what, what happened. And they were able to win um, the first few games when AD was in there. So, you know, you still have to give it up to them. And this is going to be such an invaluable experience for a team that, you know, hasn't been able to sniff the playoffs. And, you know, this is the first time they've made the playoffs in, in some time. And being able to make it into the, the finals out of the West is an accomplishment itself. You know, these guys are going to come, come out of blazing next year. I think they're just so young, you know, it's not, they're, they're an older team that's been grinding out for a long time. Like Booker has been in, in the league for a few years, but you know, we were, we saw the maturation of Deandre Ayn, you know, we, we definitely saw some glimpses of Mikel Bridges being able to be a, you know, an awesome three and D guy, kind of like an OG and an a guy that, you know, you can rely on to make big shots and play good defense. And then, you know, Cam Johnson, who was scrutinized as um, an older draft pick a few years back, but he's definitely been a key part for that team. And we saw the resurgence of Cameron Payne, you know, a guy that was being thrown around the league, um, almost out of the league. And, you know, he joins a, you know, a, a, a strong a strong team and he was able to really learn under CP3. He probably had one of his better games too, even though he didn't score a lot, he was able to, you know, keep them in this game when it was 29, 16 um, in in the first quarter. And he just got, you know, he made a few threes, made a few tough layups um, while, while CP was kind of getting his groove. And um, yeah, man, they're they're still young team. They have uh, Jalen Smith, who was a top 10 pick last year. Um, He's, he's one of the centers, but he was too young. He's too young. So they had to play Kaminsky, which, um, unfortunately for them, he, he he just didn't play that great throughout the series. He had a decent game game six, but um, not enough with with DeAndre Ayton getting in foul trouble. No, great point. You know, I think before we get into the Giannis love fest, real quick, um, you know, if you're a small market fan, like this has to make you feel warm and fuzzy. You know, Phoenix versus Milwaukee in the finals, and you know if you're a OKC fan, if you're a Memphis fan, if you're a Toronto fan, you know, just seeing the best player stay with your stick with your team. Like as Raptor fans, man, even with Kyle Lowry, I remember when he was sort of he he made that Instagram po- post that with the Raptor jersey that he was staying back in like 2014 and 2015. And I remember the anxiety that I was feeling before he made that decision. <laughs> with DeMar DeRozan, when he re-signed, I remember the anxiety I was feeling before he made that decision because. Every popular media wave 
is always going to mention big market teams and your superstar, right? Like look at Portland fans right now with Dame Lillard. Like they must be freaking out just thinking about all the places that he may be going. And to see Giannis mid-season nip all of that in the bud, re-sign, take that pressure off the organization, take that pressure off uh, the fans, and then perform like this in the playoffs. Man, it's it's crazy. And, and same with Phoenix, like just small market teams going as far as they did. We learned so much about their fan base during the playoffs, um, like Suns and Four, like all that <laughs> stuff that was trending. Like there are a bunch of basket cases over there, but, you know, it brought a light to, you know, all the all the special things that small market teams have to offer too. This is a, a great blueprint for um, a team like the Denver Nuggets. You know, they, they have a very strong young team and they very similar to the Bucks, where, you know, the Bucks hit on probably one of the best draft picks of all time, you know, selecting Giannis uh, 15th. And then similarly with the, the, the Nuggets, you know, they, they, they also hit on one of the best draft picks in, in Jokic with, I forget what number he was at, like 42, 43 or something, uh, second round a few years back. And yeah, another smaller market team, team that you know have been playing together for a few years um and i'm i'm going to be interested to see what what like a team like the nuggets are going to do with with, you know having an mvp player on their roster um a a young star in jamal murray mpg and um i think the blueprint is what the bucks have been doing you know just keeping the team together just adding a few pieces here and there and just trying to like build your bench with, with good draft picks, you know, the, the, the Bucks were able to get 16 points from Bobby Portis, man. Bobby Portis was, you know, m- almost another punch away from being out of the league. And, uh, you know, he, he, he ran into a lot of issues, you know, with, with Chicago Bulls and, you know, that, 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 that whole situation with, um, was it uh, Miritich, right? And uh, I forget where he played afterwards, but, you know, he was bounced, he's being bounced up around the league after, you know, having a strong start with Chicago and he found, you know, his, his perfect role with the Bucks, um, that guy off the bench who can give you a lot of energy, but, you know, could spread the floor and attack the basket. So uh, happy for Bobby Portis too, man, a guy that um, was almost out of the league. So um, I, I think a lot of teams will start um, thinking about, you know, how do we acquire cheap, cheap talent with high ceilings? How do we, you know, kind of, go for that home run draft that could be within like, you know, the, the late, um, late lottery. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of guys coming from Europe, coming from Africa that may be super raw, but they just have, you know, the, the, the measurables that some of these other guys don't have. And you're going to see a lot of teams start taking that type of risk. And um, the draft is going to be this or next uh, Thursday, so I'm, I'm wondering if that's going to change anything from there. You know, there's a lot of guys that just are so freakishly athletic, freakishly long. Um, and a lot of teams are just going to hope that they can hit on another Giannis or another Jokic, right? Um, so I, I think this is definitely going to waterfall and kind of trickle down into um, how the league's going to look, knowing that, you know, Giannis was such a raw player coming out of Greece, um, playing in the second league. And now he is a finals MVP, defensive player of the year, two-time MVP, most, uh, most improved player 
this guy has all the accolades, you know, and 14 teams passed up on him and 30 teams passed on Jokic. So it's just, you know, these teams are going to definitely just narrow down and focus on a lot of scouting. International, uh, international scouting is at a premium now and um, where we're seeing kind of a uh, domination of international players coming into this league and just make an impact right away. Yeah, I mean, if, if you're a team and you're late on that front, you're kind of screwed because the good organizations are already, you know, three to five years out in that regard. Sure. I was hoping sure. we didn't talk about Bar- Bobby Portis because it's so funny how he's dancing all along the sideline, gets a technical, almost, you know, if oh, they lose yeah. that game, there would have been a lot of blame on Bobby Portis, but they <laughs> won and now, now he's being praised all across the board. I'm not a Bobby Portis fan, simply for the fact that, uh, was he on the Wizards for a while? Honestly, I don't. I don't you know. I don't know what team he was on before this. If you know that segment where on the, the TNT, uh, yeah, yeah, like show where, where they would, play? yeah, like where, where does he play for? Like I, I, I would, I wouldn't have known where he played before this. Anyway, let's do a little. Uh, yeah, let's just you know, let's talk about Giannis before we uh, before we head out here. Um, like you said, a couple of things. You know, drafted fifteenth overall. 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, five-time NBA All-Star, two-time MVP. And, you know, the knock on him over the last three years, because, you know, once you're starting to make deep playoff pushes, that's when the scrutiny starts. And if you can't execute, everyone's going to have an opinion as to what your flaws and why you can't do it. And Giannis was, it wasn't to this extreme, but it was getting kind of Westbrook-ish where the game was a little too one-dimensional. And it was very regular season. It was very run and gun. But once you got into the half court with him, you couldn't rely on his mid-range game. You couldn't rely on his three-point shooting. And that's where he was settling for the longest time. You know, even against the Raptors, like he didn't flip this switch. He kept, he kept shooting threes. He kept shooting mid-range game. Um, but after game two, you know, I hate being a prisoner in the moment. But after game two, when he scored 42 points and they still lost, a flip did switch. And if this is the way that he's going to play, like utter domination, um, you know, the league is definitely going to be in trouble because he's starting to show dominance that, you know, we haven't seen since Shaquille O'Neal. And there is, there is a stat to, bl- to back that up. Second player in the NBA history with three 40.10 rebound games in a single NBA final since Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, he he plays exactly like like Shaq. Like he should, like he he does kind of what you know take uh, this, these um, these threes once in a while, and it'll will take a dumb pull up that doesn't really make sense because you're you're really just get, uh, allowing the team to relax a little bit because he's such a he's such a force, and the 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 one play that the Bucks continue to go to throughout the series when they needed a bucket was the Middleton and Giannis pick and roll. And I know they, they, they mentioned that a lot in the broadcast, but when you watch that, it, w- it, was, it was right because Middleton is such a sniper. He was such a knockdown shooter. And Giannis is so long, so athletic that you throw any lob up there or you, about, you throw a bounce pass up there and he gets, if he's in the paint, he's going to act like Shaq. He's going to play like Shaq. He's definitely the most dominant player um, in the league right now, just based on his like, physique, on his athleticism, the way that he plays, the way that he bulldozes through guys. Um, and he continues, he should continue doing that. Just continue posting up, continue the, the pick and roll. 
don't shoot any threes, man. Like I, I get it once in a while when they're leaving you that wide open, you take it, but he minimized his three point shooting. Um, he, he's just so effective in every aspect of the game outside of his, his uh, long range shooting. And, you know, he's, he has, he has a really good touch around the rim, by the way, like when he went, he doesn't need to like dunk over everyone. He has a nice, you know, floater. He has a nice, he has, excuse me. He just has a, yeah, very, very soft touch around the rim. And that's something probably an underrated part of his game where he's not breaking a lot of these like layups. He's not breaking a lot of like these off the, off the board type shots. He has a very nice touch and um, he's just so dominant and he should continue playing this way. Continue pick and rolls. Like do not pick and pop. Just pick and roll, get get into the post, um, attack when you're in the in the fast break. Like he's such a dominant force in the fast break that um, it, it's tough for a lot of teams to um, to stop. As we saw in Game Five, when you know when with the Holiday pass and alley-oop to Giannis in Game Five, that really sealed um, the series. And this series is so much closer than I, I think people. Um, probably are going to acknowledge like again the Suns did win the first two games but I believe in every game they were still in it um you know very very down to the last last quarter the last few minutes of each game like they could have easily won game five right they could have they should have won game five but not not if not for that insane sequence uh in the last minute of that game and again we're leading uh going to the half the game was tied going to third. So again, the Phoenix Suns were a few minutes away from making this a game seven and potentially winning the championship. So they, they aren't that far off. No, absolutely not. Um, can we just talk about how Giannis carries himself after winning the championship? Um, super <laughs> wholesome, you know, kind of goes off. It kind of had a little Dirkish kind of feel to it. He didn't disappear from the court, but he kind of went off, did his own thing had a little cry, you know, then sort of snapped out of it. Cause I feel, you know, he, he put everything out there. The endorphins must've been yeah. at a hundred percent, you know? So he had that little rush. He's crying. He's soaking it in. Then he gets up. He looks right at the fans, fist pumps, then joins the team. And, you know, he, it's one of those things. Like he was kind of avoiding the spotlight, which I always find, as a as kind of a cool trademark with the superstar, like again, reminds you a little bit of Dirk, but you know, he let Middleton hold the Middleton literally hold the Larry O'Brien that entire ceremony. He would not let go of that thing. Um, and Giannis just kind of let them do the talking, right? Um, yeah, just a special guy. Did it, did it the right way with one team. You know, he was the biggest fish in a small pond. He stayed in that pond and uh just great to see. Yeah, no, I, I am I'm super happy for him. Um, I, I would have also been very happy for CP3 to to win a championship as well. So, um, I, I you know, I didn't have, um, yeah, in, any stakes in this at all. But it was just nice that, you know, we, we saw a championship uh, finals that didn't, you know, have a, a super large market team. And we saw some, some guys that, you know, deserve to be in the finals and happy that Giannis and that that crew was able to uh to to win the series yeah man it's uh since 2011 there's been a lot of stacking of the deck from various teams and uh 
to see it done this way, just, it brings a lot of optimism to, like I said, a lot of the small market teams. So did it the right way. One question other than Giannis on the bucks, who are you most happy for in terms of winning a championship? Um, I honestly, probably PJ Tucker. That's just because I know, I know he, I, I've, I've, you know, um, I'm not, not a fan of his offensive play, but he, he brings it and he's, he was a second round pick by the Raptors, you know, many years back, he was out of the league for many years, you know, and he beat the team that kind of gave him his, his refresh. You know, he, he, we signed with the Suns. He played with Devin Booker when he was a rookie. Um, and, you know, he was, he's been, you know, bounced around other teams, but, you know, he, he found a starting spot with the Bucks. And um, yeah, I, I like PJ Tucker, you know, he, he's, he's, he's very out there and, you know, I know he's having a good time right now. So um, probably out of everyone, I, I'd probably say PJ Tucker from that yeah. team. Me too. Only because it, it's kind of like to see him go through what he went through with various superstars around the league, J you know, James Harden being the most recent one. Mm -hmm. And uh, to now move over to the Eastern Conference and get to play with a guy like Giannis, I bet in the back of his head, he's like, I, I bet I'd love to hear the difference <laughs> between playing with those two superstars. You know what I mean? And to see yeah. him get one before all those other guys um make makes me warm inside yeah i remember some someone posted in our our friend group chat where he beat capella he beat harden and both did he beat um from was it from the heat i forget but he beat every every one of his former teammates from the from the houston rockets to to actually win the championship unreal well hey it was good yeah i got it here it was uh with you here yeah um chris paul james harden capella and ariza ariza okay ariza was the one i was missing that's crazy good for him man good for him because he yeah he definitely endured a lot like he was a very very good player with the houston rockets like very good um and he, they had their shot and, you know, they, they weren't able to capitalize, but I'm glad, I'm glad he, he's able to contribute and, you know, play many minutes for this team. And even though he did contribute on the offensive end, he's still a major impact on, on the defensive end. Yes, sir. Well, Hey, let's wrap it up at that. Um, let's connect in what a week. I believe the draft is in a week. Really excited. Yeah. To, uh, really excited to see how that one turns out. Do we keep it? Do we trade it? I think there's going to be a lot of, shifting around in the draft yeah no i'm excited I'm, i've been i've been uh diving pretty deep into a lot of draft scenarios and getting to know a lot of these uh these players especially the top four guys um in this draft since uh it, it's very um relatable to the raptors so you know exciting um uh, maybe we should do a pod before or we can do one after but um let's let's just keep uh play it by year for now all right, man. Well, sounds good. You enjoy the rest of your the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. And to our listeners, as always, we thank you for listening. Talk soon. All right. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks for your time this morning. And uh, yeah, peace.